have you here, as well as Miss Alyssa. Welcome you to the family of Big Woods Bible Church. She is known as the baby whisperer. She is gifted. I think at one point, didn't I count three little ones? I, I think at one point is like the world record. Alyssa, it is great to have you as part of the family. We have, we have a lot here as we prepare our hearts to receive the communion table. And so we're going to pray first and foremost that God just direct our attention to him and that we who have been given ears, last I checked, that's all of us, we would hear what God has for us this morning. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? <clears throat> Father, again, we are just most grateful for this this time you've given to us, Lord, with your word open before us, we thank you that in your love and in your grace and your mercy, you allowed us, Lord, to lift up our voices in song and of worship. There's so, so many things that are vying for our time and our attention. And Lord, we confess that we very easily and quickly get drawn away. And so moments like this are so important to focus on you. Father, I do pray specifically this morning for people that are perhaps here, those listening online, that they are, they are aching in heart. I would pray, Lord, that you would minister to them, restore their soul as you promise. Allow your word to feed and to nourish and to strengthen. Father, I pray, Lord, that it is very evident that the Spirit is in control, that the Spirit is leading this process, is guiding this process. The Spirit is the one who is speaking and we would have attentive hearts and minds. Father, I plead for help and guidance throughout this process. Please help my mind to stay focused. Lord, may everything that is said and done be for your glory. We ask, Lord, continued blessings upon this body of believers. I pray, Lord, if there's people that are here today that do not know you, as Lord and Savior, that today they would understand the importance of surrendering to you as Lord and accepting you as their Savior. Father, may you be glorified. May we be softened clay in you, the potter's hands. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. The date, it takes us back a little bit, was Sunday... October the 11th of 2020. Remember that wonderful year, 2020? It was in that fall, October the 11th, that I introduced to you and I began this study in the book of Romans. We began our journey. Some of you may, but most of you will not remember specifically how I began this series. And for the majority of you who do not remember, I will read to you the first portion of that series, in a sense, just to kind of remind you. I, I read of a young man who had devoted himself to immorality. His father was a pagan, but his mother was a devout, committed Christian. It was of little surprise when he was 18 years old. He moved in with his girlfriend. He got her pregnant while still boasting of his exploits. But his mother continued to pray for her son. One day, this is in the late 4th century, this young man was 
pacing in a garden where a copy of the New Testament was chained to a lectern. It wasn't able to be in the hands of others. As he was walking, he overheard children playing in the garden. And they were singing a refrain from one of their childhood songs. Tolly leger, tolly leger, take up and read. This young man went to the scriptures that were chained to the pole. And the book fell open to this very text that we're looking at today. Romans chapter 13, 11 through 14. It was recorded, and I quote, The Spirit of God took those words and pierced between joint and sinew, bone and marrow, to the very depths of his soul. The young man's name was Aurelius Augustinius, or Saint Augustine, the doctor of grace. Now we know whether or not it was Augustine or Luther or Calvin or Knox or Vermigli or, or, or Sinus or, or William Telenick or Jonathan Edwards or Charles Spurgeon. The list could go on and on. We have before us in the book of Romans a book of immense influence. It is often viewed as a foundation posting theological stanchions of orthodox biblical Christianity. Thus, it's important. Now think about this morning. What is present here? We have heard faithful prayers. We know the Spirit of God is present. The letter is opened before us. Theology exists. What is the result when you put these things together? Our lives, just as in the testimony of this young man, our lives can be changed. In this final section of Romans 13, it is primarily doing two things. Calling us to action and prohibiting us from other action. And the author, in preparation of the final consummation of our salvation, when we pass into glory, offers a word. And the word is this. He's saying this. You need to hear this. You're not there yet. Okay? You're you're not perfect yet. You're not glorified yet. So... Therefore, what do we do? We listen up. We give attention to the word of the Lord. Here's our text. Romans chapter 13, verse 11 through 14. Besides this, you know the time. That the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. A couple points I want to make to you this morning. The first one is very clearly comes from Scripture and is what? It's a call for us, number one, to wake up. 
It says, know the time. The hour has come for you to wake up. When we were kids, my mother oftentimes would walk into our bedroom to, to wake us up, and, and she would be singing this song. And I get my horrible singing voice from my mother. She would sing with delightful cheer and happiness. Wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get out of bed. Something about the sun being red, which really doesn't make any sense. But we knew what, whether it was my mother or my father, who would not come in singing cheerfully when it was time to wake us up, we knew when we were told to wake up, this was not an option for us. I was actually shocked I was actually shocked one particular time when we had company staying over for the weekend. And, and everyone woke up on Saturday morning and we were going out for a trip. We were going to the beach together and everyone got up and, and got dressed and, and had breakfast and we're heading to the car and, and someone said, well, where's, where's David? He was the young teenager who was staying with us for the weekend with his parents Where's David? I was shocked to hear his father say, well, he's not ready to get up yet. He's not ready. None of us are ever ready to get up. When you're told to get up, like this is not an option. If you are not ready to get up, there's only a couple painful results that can come. We know here that we are called. These phrases that we just read. Know the time. The hour has come. Salvation is near. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. All of these terms that we just read have a, a clear tone of urgency. Think of it. If it's pressing... Weren't these written by the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago? If it's pressing in Paul's day, how much more pressing, how much more urgent is it in our day? The message for us is clear, dear church family. We are not to ever be slumbering through our limited days of productivity that we are given here on this earth. Why? Because ticking of time. But the word is kiros, which means age, the era. The time has come. The reason is because what? Our salvation, which is what? Completed glorification is near. Our final moment of completion is near. And you're like, wait a minute, but there's only two ways for that to happen. Either A, Jesus comes back, or B, you and I got to be in heaven in order for us to be clearly glorified. Which means what? Yeah. You ever give, you ever give thought on how much time do you have? I won't belabor this. You know that I land here a lot. How much time do you have? But you get the point. It's interesting to note when speaking of the consummation of our salvation in Pauline literature, he references every single tense possible. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, we are saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, we are being saved. Romans chapter 5, we learned in verse 9, we will be saved, which speaks of the past, the present, and the future tenses of salvation. Therefore, what? We are not to be asleep or slumbering to the realities of our what? Pressing. Momentarily. Final salvation and judgment. Donald Gray Barnhouse calls this the salvation in three tenses. Now, knowing that there's a sense of urgency, let me ask you a question. How do you work when you know that the boss is going to drop by? When you know at any moment he or she is going to make an appearance, how are you, are you, uh, are you dozing off? Just shooting a breeze, passing time, or are you on your game, on your toes? There's nothing new. You're not hearing anything about the theology of the urgent that I've not pressed upon you before. But when we think about this, it, it, it reminds us of the mission that we're on. That we're gathered for purpose. That we gather here for a reason. That we gather and we understand the truth of the gospel. And this is, this is well rehearsed for us. We are to be familiar with what the gospel is. At any moment, any one of us are called into action. We've got to be packed, ready to go. You understand your job description. What you have been called to do as a faithful follower of Jesus. God has revealed himself. Even as we prepare our hearts to receive the communion table, God is revealing himself to us and what he's done for us. For what? But so what? Titus chapter 2, verses 11, 12, and 13 says, The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness. And worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Waiting, here it is, for our blessed hope. Now what is, what is our hope every single day? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every day, every step we take is to be in hope. Of this. Hebrews chapter 10 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you can see the day uh, approaching. Don't, don't you see it in light of the news that we are given every single day? James chapter 5, Be patient until the coming of the Lord. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand a sense of urgency first peter chapter 4 the end of all things is at hand therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers above all i love this keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins you ever hear of the guys that are like on this day on and i'm not even going to mention a day i'm not going to mention a time somebody's going to quote me wrong on it you know those people that say on this day get ready it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. We do not know the day or the time. We cannot know the hour of Christ's coming. But I will assure you of this. It's closer than yesterday. 
Every single day is moving us one day closer. And yet you realize what you spend your time and interest and money and attention on. You realize that more people put more work into planning their vacation, into planning on going back to school, than planning where they're going to spend eternity? Do you realize that? People's mind and attention and effort is more focused on what? On your retirement. For these fleeting few years. On, 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 on let's, let's prep for this class. Let's prep to buy this. Rather than prepping for the time that you and I will stand before a holy God. The holy God. And every single one of us will stand before the Lord. He's going to say, I gave you my word. I I gave you my spirit. I offered you my own son. I gave you clear instruction. I gathered you together for you to remind it regularly. What's, what's your response going to be? When you're going to hear one of two things, either what? Well done. Well done. Good and faithful. Or what? Depart from me. Because I never knew you. Because you just showed up and toyed your way through but you never surrendered your heart to me people please remember i i I plead with you with there's only so much earnestness i can package i i plead with you to know to know as it says what in matthew chapter 16 what does it profit a man if he gains the entire world and forfeits loses his own soul. I plead with you every single day to wake up with an understanding as Philippians chapter 2 verse 10 says at the name of Jesus Christ every single knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yeah, but, you, yeah, but how, do, how do we know that? Like, really, how do we know? You know, we catch the news this week of a, another archaeological dig that took place in the Middle East. And they, they excavated yet one more. As they get further down, it gets older and older. And they, they, they dug up a mosaic. They, they dug up plates and, and pictures of, of Deborah. The story of Deborah and Barak and, and Sisera. And jail. I won't go into the gory details of the story, but the pictures match the exact description of what is told in the book of Judges. They just continue to dig up more and dig up more. And it says, well, wait a minute. We heard that somewhere before. We read that. It's all there. Say, so this is the oldest record we have of this dear woman, this judge that God used. It's proven. A wonderful picture is written at the church of Sardis and we understand the importance and the urgency of us needing to wake up. If you recall, Sardis is one of the cities that the letter of Revelation was given to and it says this, 
In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 3, remember then what you received and heard, keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. You will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments and I will never blot out his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father, before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. It reminds us why, because we know the story. We know the story in the history of Sardis. Historically speaking, a fortified city, exceptionally fortified. It was almost impossible to overtake militarily. And yet we know not, not once but twice the city was overtaken because literally the guards fell asleep on the job. An entire city was destroyed. Twice, Cyrus in the 6th century B.C. and in Antichus the third in the third century. They would just simply climb up the city's walls and open the door to let the army in, to let the enemy in. Why? Because they were sleeping on the job. I wonder right now, I wonder right now, if you're aware of the de destruction, the devastation that comes when we refuse to wake up and sense the urgency of the day. Not only are we told to wake up, but it says as well, we're told to what? Secondly, cast off. So, so then let us cast off the works of darkness. So it's what? Not only are we prohibited from the works of darkness that are described actually in, in quite detail here drunkenness, sexual immorality, sensuality, quarreling, fighting, arguing. Jealousy. We're not just called to put it up, but we're actually called to do something about it. And think about what our world is like with the stresses today like, like never before. The worries and the anxieties that surround us. We live in a divided, bickering, polarized country. Read this week a 40-year high to inflation, which just has thrust more people into uncertainty and fears. What are people doing in order to cope? How are they self-medicating? How are they numbing themselves from the bad news that exists? But alcohol is absolutely out of control. Not, not just in the world, but in the homes and the tables that many of you sit around. Pornography continues to destroy, destroy lives and homes and marriages. Just as what? It's just, it's just a, a momentary fleeting escape. I just want to disappear from the chaos of this world. And yet what? Everything still comes flooding back worse than it ever was. Where people are angry. It says in Scripture, what? Quarreling and jealousy. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to take very much for people to get offended and upset. Let's go, let, let, let's go online and go pick a fight with somebody about something. I don't know. I just don't like this. And so we just erupt in anger. 
the instruction here is what? It, it says, cast off. And you're like, okay, well, that it sounds easy enough. You just take it off. But knowing I cannot put on the armor of light, I cannot put on the Lord Jesus Christ, which means living covered and draped, cloaked in his loving grace and kindness, enjoying the peace that only can come from the Prince of Peace until I first take off the works of darkness. Well, we better learn how to do that. How do we just like take this off? Let me give you a little helpful hints. It may be a shock to you to hear, but I, I have never in my entire life been to a dress fitting before. But I know that my wife has been to one and, and my daughter has been to one and my daughter-in-law. And ladies, you can help me on this. You can vouch for this. But to my understanding, you don't go in there alone, right? Why? Because you need help. The bride needs others to guide her. The bride needs people that are honest enough to, stay, to say what? Don't, don't. Don't do that. You can't walk down the aisle looking like that. Put that one back on the rack. Just get rid of it. Exact same premise applies for the bride of Christ. The local church of Jesus as we prepare to meet the bridegroom. If it's alcohol, lust, anger, an argumentative, a prideful spirit. Dump it. Get rid of it. Take it off. Guard yourself. It actually says this in the last verse. Make no provision for it. Which means don't, don't even begin to lean that way. Don't even give thought to that. Think about this. An alcoholic does not have the luxury of sitting down and sipping Coca-Cola at the bar. It's a dumb idea. You can't even lean that way. Which means what? We must, we must bring others into our life. So appreciate just the timing today of Pastor Ann reminding us, as we did last week, I wish we could take new members on every single week to remind one another what we are making a covenant for. Nowhere in Orthodox Christianity do we see people alone. Bring others into your life. We often speak of men at our prayer time on Friday mornings. We have to give one another what... The, the privilege to ask us the difficult questions in life. You have to give them the permission to hold us accountable. Why? Because a very well-known tactic of the enemy. Let me watch this on Nat Geo. Whenever you see a big cat take down a, a gazelle, what, what is a tactic of the enemy? Isolate them from the rest. Separate them from the rest of the pack. Separate them from the safety of the flock before what? Before the enemy attacks and he pounces and he tears that poor little one to bloody shreds and pieces. That's what happens. Some of you at this very moment, your lives have been shredded to pieces. 
because you've isolated and separated yourself. You're not meeting with others in the word. You're not praying together. You're not having other men holding men accountable, women holding women accountable. It says in scripture, older women teach younger women. You're not doing that. And what happens? The enemy is having a heyday and shredding lives to pieces. First of all, we are to wake up. This is not an option for the local church. It's an urgent command. We're to cast off. And thirdly, we are to put on. Specifically, it says that there's two things that we are to put on. To bring our life out of darkness into the light, it says to put on the armor of light. And it sounds, that, 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 did we hear that some before? Didn't Paul write something about the armor of light? And that's close. We've heard about the armor of God. Let me assure you that the armor of light and the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6 is exactly the same thing. Remember we talked about the whole idea that we are on mission. We understand what our job is as we head out. It, it also, it, it, it speaks about the fact that you've got to be kind of armored up. What does Ephesians chapter 6 teach us? What does Ephesians chapter 6 tell us of how we're supposed to live? Let me read to you very, very quickly Ephesians chapter 6. It kind of gives us a description of what we're supposed to put on, how we're supposed to dress in the morning. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes. Isn't that an interesting word? The tactics and the sneaky tricks and the plans of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Pause just for a moment. Little, little, little shout out for down the road. When we finish the book of Romans, I'm going to be doing a mini-series on spiritual warfare. I think it's a subject that we, we too often kind of just jump over and we forget about. And it says right here that we what? We're in a wrestling match against spiritual forces of evil. And there's so much misunderstanding about that. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness and on your shoes for your feet. Having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the, the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayers and supplication to that end. Keep alert, stay awake with all per perseverance, making supplication for all those things. That, that's literally, when we take off something, we have to put it on, know what, something else. And it says, every morning we get up, we get dressed. You don't go out like that. It also says to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray and we trust and we remember who is it. As we direct our attention to the communion table, who is the Lord Jesus? And to know and be reminded that he is praying for us. That literally we are to put on and clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love how, how in this particular reference it, it uses all three. 
The Lord is what? One who rules. Jesus, his name means what? One who saves. Christ means what? He's the only one. He's the anointed one. Every day we put on. The one who rules, saves. What Jesus is doing at this very hour for you and me. Recall the fact that he is our advocate. First John chapter 2. Romans chapter 8. It says that he's seated at the right hand of his father. Interceding on our behalf. He prayed for us as we saw in John chapter 17. The high priestly prayer. Think of it as we make. As, as we seek Christ. We make no provision for the flesh. It means there's what? If you are filled with Christ. You can't be filled You can only fill a glass with one thing at a time. If we are filled with Christ, clothed in Christ. How do we do that? We have that close, personal relationship with him who died so you could live. Who paid the sacrifice for your sins so you could be forgiven and redeemed. Let me ask you this. Do you know Jesus? When you, when you stand before him in that brief second before every knee will bow. Have you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ to be your savior? The anointed one is only one. Have you submitted to him and said, Lord, you can rule. Because there's so many things that, that come at us so quickly, we, we are given a, a reminder to, to tangibly and physically hold on to so that we do not forget what Jesus Christ has done. We do not forget who Jesus Christ is. And that is the communion table that we, uh, what, pause, everything slows down, everything stops every third week right here. And we remember the sacrifice that was paid for your sins and for my sins. So all of our attention is focused on Christ. It's it's him who we are to put on as we take off the works of darkness. What is the, the Eucharist? What is the communion table? It, it's simply a, a reminder of what Jesus Christ, who, who was sitting with his disciples in the upper room the very night and he was betrayed. And he was giving to them a, an object lesson of sorts. And we know that when we see something and when we hold it in our hands and we can smell it and we can taste it, all those senses go into what? Overdrive. We we don't forget it. Jesus Christ did not want to forget his disciples. Did not want his disciples to forget what they were about to witness. Just like God does not want us to forget what Jesus Christ has done for us. He was the bread of life. And as they were sitting, gathered, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, just as this bread has been broken, my body will be broken for you. He's speaking of when he was going to be nailed on the cross and whipped and tortured and beat. He also took the fruit of the vine and he poured it out. He said, just as my, just as the bread was a picture of my body, this cup is a picture of my blood. It's going to be poured out 
And we know the history of the crucifixion was a bloody, bloody mess. And after Jesus poured it out, he, he said, I want you to, to taste this. I want you to sip this. And they, they sipped it and they passed it. And the next one, the next one, the next one. Jesus Christ I, I said, I, I don't want you to forget what you're about to see, what you're about to, to witness. The sacrifice that was paid, the body that was broken, the blood that was poured out to redeem what? Us. We've perfected one thing. We're really good at one thing. We're, we're good at sinning. And we know the consequences of sin is death. The wages, what we've earned as a result of our sin is death. And Jesus stepped in and says, no. Trust me. And we know that not only was Jesus Christ, what, crucified? Did he die literally and was buried? But we know that three days later, he rose back from the dead. That we put our faith and trust in Jesus. That just as Jesus walked in the newness of life, we too can do that and so we have this as a as a reminder it literally it 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 harnesses us to the message of the gospel we can't live the life that we've been called to why would we bother to stay awake if jesus christ was still dead how could we ever put off the works why would we ever put off the works of darkness how could we ever put on christ if he was still dead and we have a reminder of what jesus christ has paid for us so what I, what I want to do is invite you this morning to receive this. If you are a believer, you've acknowledged the Lord Jesus Christ, that you understand basically the, the, the essence of the gospel. You know you're a sinner. You understand what that sin deserves. But I've trusted Christ. I've accepted him to be my savior. And I desire for him. We know that we're not perfect but I desire to live in full obedience. I want him to be Lord of my life. Then I would invite you. And we'll, we'll, we'll serve this to you. Please take this. Because I will oftentimes remind people. And, and, and if you are here today for the first time. And, and this is odd to you. I, I want to be very respectful. In telling you that if you've not made that step of salvation. You've not placed your faith. In Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have no desire for him to be Lord. He's just a curse word. Please, out of respect, please don't take this. Please don't eat this bread and, and drink this. It would be meaningless. But if you recognize the need, the brokenness of the world can only be healed through the work of Jesus and through the message of the gospel. Then you can accept that today. Today you can put your faith and trust in Jesus. And you can receive this for the first time as one who's been fully rescued and redeemed from the consequence of her own sin. How we're going to do this, I'm going to have elders and deacons are going to come up to, to different stations. There's a couple in the back. There's three up front. What I would like for you to do is just take a few moments. Appreciated how Robbie directed us already in prayers of confession this morning. Drawing our attention to the Lord where it needs to be. Take a few moments and just focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. On the message of the gospel. Confess areas where we've fallen short. And after you've taken a few moments, I would invite you to go to any one of the stations. There will be both bread and cup at any one of the stations. Take that. The men will serve it to you, take it back to your seats, and then as family, we will take it together. And we will remember the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us.
Let's remember the communion table.
Thank you, brothers, for serving us. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we do pause again just once more to express our love and appreciation, our gratitude, our, our worship of who you are. And we thank you for this moment that you have given to us as a gift to remember the, the sacrifice that was made on our behalf, the only means of our atonement. We thank you, Lord, for the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that was nailed to the cross, broken on our behalf. We, we thank you, Lord, for his blood that was poured out. It says without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of our sins. And so, Lord, we recognize our, our brokenness, our, our neediness, our sinfulness right now. And as we are about to take, I would pray, Lord, that you would just bring to our hearts and our, our minds, our, our memories, areas that we've fallen short. And as we seek to live in a spirit of humility and confession, that you would keep your promise to forgive us to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for this reminder. Help us, Lord, please not to forget the powerful message of Jesus and the work that was accomplished both on the cross and the tomb. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was Paul who was writing and giving instructions to the church at Corinth. And he says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the very night in which he was betrayed, took bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said this. He said, this is my body which is for you. Do this. Eat this in remembrance of me. He continued on. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And he concludes with, as often as you eat this bread, every time you eat this bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we look forward to when he comes. tension. Um, invite you to stand with us as we close uh, today. Let's give testimony to who Christ is and what he's done for us.
before 